Welcome to Strictly Jojo, a podcast dedicated to Jojo's bizarre adventure. My name is Courtney. This is episode 65, and we're reviewing part six, Stone Ocean, Time for Heaven, New Moon, New Priest. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode and anything that's happened in the Jojo anime. We talked a lot about this particular episode in the previous episode, bracing ourselves for what is the demise, the official demise of Foo Fighters. So I don't know if I'm emotionally ready to talk about this, but I've had, you know, several days now <laughs> since the last time we recorded. So hopefully I'm there. What a strange title, though. You had all of these kind of straightforward ones from before. Like the last one was, was called Awaken. And then you had the secret of Guard Westwood. Then you have this phrase, time for heaven, new moon, new priest. It reminds me of uh, School Rumble. Their episode titles also were split into threes because I think that each episode had three segments. It's just strange, but, you know, everything is strange in JoJo, I guess. You bring up a good point. I actually don't like this title because I think it's misleading. Um, like, yeah, sure, Poochie talks about heaven in this episode, but, like, we get no confirmation if, like, he's achieved anything in his goal of reaching heaven. Um, it says new moon. Do they talk about the moon at all? <laughs> I, don't I don't remember. Think so. And the new priest. Uh, I'm pretty sure Poochie got eaten in this episode. So I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So I think this title is extremely misleading. And sometimes that happens where a title talks about a very small portion of an episode. Um, I think like Foo Fighters The Witness, a couple of episodes back, it was like that. That part was, the Foo Fighters part was just a small segment, but at least there was a tie-in. Here I don't see very much of a correlation between the title and the episode content. And also, it, it's just a very comedic sounding title for an episode that hits pretty hard. Yeah. Like you said, with Foo Fighters' death and the semi-reveal of Deal's resurrection, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what went through the, the producers' minds when coming up with this title. Or was this taken directly from the manga? I have no idea. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you, you remember bits and pieces of the manga, so who knows? Well, either way, it's a sad episode, and we're about to jump into it. But before we do so... Um, a couple of things we wanted to mention. So as a reminder, our schedule is going to look a little bit interesting in the coming weeks. We have two more episodes left of the second core of Stone Ocean. Then on November 28th, we're going to have a discussion episode, which we have not had in a really, really long time. And then on December 5th, we're taking a break because we're going to be in Japan. And so it's just a little difficult to record while we're in Japan for a week and a half. And then on December 12th, that's when we return with our Stone Ocean third core review series. And that'll take us straight through to February, if my dates are correct. Um, we'll go straight through for the last 14, 13, 14 episodes that I think Stone Ocean third core is confirmed for. And then we'll see what we do. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm kidding. It's actually like March, mid-March. Shit, that's a long time. Oop. But yeah. <laughs> honestly, I think it's going to go by really fast because it, it does tend to move faster when we do weekly episodes. And I'm not going to be super excited to talk about the very, very end of Stone Ocean because it's going to signal the end of Stone Ocean. I've really been enjoying this uh, Stone Ocean review series, so I'm not looking forward to, to it being over. Well, man, it, Stone Ocean would have technically run for 
three years, if if my math is correct, because this started in 2021, right? The first quarter. So <laughs> let me look. Yeah, I, I'm just I can't recall my memory, but I, seeing on Wikipedia, uh, the first quarter premiered on Netflix in December 2021, and then we have the second quarter from September of this year, and then I know like. The, the last core is December of this year, but then that will take us through uh, 2023. And I'm sure the broadcast in Japan is going to pick up at that point sometime next year, too. Yeah, it's been a, a very interesting journey for Stone Ocean. A lot of ups and downs with Netflix being behind a lot of these decisions. But regardless, the ending, I feel, is going to be super, super exciting. And I think as a JoJo community... We're all looking forward to it. But again, not not super excited about not having Stone Ocean once all of that's complete. Because then, who knows how long it'll be before we get Steel Ball Run. Yeah, that's probably going to take them five years just to, to, <laughs> to animate the horses unless they go the, the CGI route. But speaking of the past year or so, um, we are actually coming up on the second year anniversary of Strictly Jojo, which happens on November 8th. So that's a huge milestone. We have made it to two full years of Strictly Jojo. And what a year it's been. I mean, just in this past year, we've had Stone Ocean. That's a big milestone. And we've reached our part three review series. That's also a huge milestone. That's going to be a long trek because Stardust Crusaders has so many episodes. But we're already like almost 12 episodes into part three. I think we stopped at episode 11. So it's been crazy. It's, it's been crazy. I think for us being a bi-weekly podcast normally, it's been a huge shift to move to a weekly format, um, having to jump between a bi-weekly and a weekly format because Netflix isn't good about communicating like when the next episode drop happens. But we've done it and we're going to continue doing it. And it's going to be another exciting year as we again wrap up Stone Ocean and continue part three Stardust Crusaders. Yeah, what a great year for us at Strictly JoJo. Again, this being our two-year anniversary and also all the festivities surrounding uh, the 10th 10th anniversary of the the anime. Yeah. Uh, So a lot of good things right now in the JoJo sphere and for the Strictly JoJo sphere. And yeah, can't wait for more of the journey, more of the crusade. And thank you to all of you for sticking with us, for tuning in each and every week, for going on this journey with us through Stone Ocean, through Stardust Crusaders, through every single part that we're going to tackle next, you know, as as the weeks go on. We hope that you've been enjoying the podcast, um, loving our in-depth discussions, because we always say it like our goal here is to share our love of JoJo with our fellow JoJo fans or maybe introduce JoJo to a new JoJo fan, an anime fan who's completely unsuspecting because, you know, it's always a meme that JoJo fans have to push JoJo on non-JoJo fans. But for real, like we we really love being able to talk about one of our favorite anime and doing so with a great community like all of you guys. So thank you guys for a wonderful year. Here's to another great year ahead. And if you do enjoy Strictly JoJo and you want to help out the podcast, there's a lot of different ways to do so. Um, I think one of the the top ways to do so 
is to help us out on Patreon. If you can support us there, that's amazing. We really appreciate it. Any amount is helpful for us to keep both Strictly JoJo and Strictly Anime running the way that we'd like to. Um, but if you don't have, you know, a couple dollars to throw our way, that's not a problem at all. Like I mentioned, there's a ton of ways to help support us. Um, one way is to leave us a rating on whatever podcast service you listen to us on, whether that's Spotify, Apple, or any others um, that offer ratings. If you want to leave us a rating, leave us a review. That helps us out a ton because it shows other people what to expect when they listen to this podcast. Um, you can connect with us. Join our Discord to talk with all of the other JoJo fans that listen to Strictly JoJo. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series or on Twitter at Strictly Series. Or I think one of the most helpful ways that I've I've read a lot about is through word of mouth. Um, I've seen a lot of research done, and they always say that word of mouth is the fastest way that podcasts grow. So if you know a a JoJo fan or an anime fan who you think would be interested in our podcast, let them know about it. Um, recommend Strictly JoJo, send them the link, and hopefully they'll enjoy the podcast as much as you do. Last thing before we begin our discussion is JoJo news. Uh, first and foremost, I, I, this is just Strictly JoJo news. I wanted to clear up a, a goof I made in the previous episode. I think I mentioned that the Green Baby stand was less confusing than Enter the Dragon. I meant to say dragon's dream oh was it the episode <laughs> title <laughs> yeah or I, I was confusing it with the bruce lee movie and then yeah the title of the episode enter the enter the dragon's dream um so i guess i was still all sorts of confused as confused as i was <laughs> with dragon's dream uh, but for real jojo news um the only thing that i caught this week was as always from a reliable source of jojo news called jojonews.com which has an article about the Jojo Stone Ocean Diner that is opening in Shanghai uh, November 12th. And I think this is kind of similar in concept to the Stone Ocean Cafe that, that pop up in Japan, I think at Tower Records Cafe, where it had a lot of food and beverages that were themed around Stone Ocean. So now they're bringing it, it over to China, because I guess China has a huge JoJo fan base. I wasn't aware of this. Um, so I'll drop a link to the article in the Discord that also has a lot of images of the merchandise, again, the food and beverages and the collectibles that uh, JoJo fans in China can enjoy. And I just wish that they would bring that stateside because who knows? There could be JoJo fans here in the United States. Well, hey, I think it's a good sign that, that Shanghai has something, that China is getting something like this because then it's only a matter of time, you know, if that's successful, that hopefully they'll, they'll expand and have those same types of pop-ups in other places or even just merchandise. Even if we don't get a pop-up, if we get like US-based merchandise for JoJo, like some really cool collabs like they do in Japan, that would be fucking awesome because as fun as cafes are, I've heard often that like anime cafes have very mediocre food. And also once it's consumed, then what? I'd rather have merchandise because then I can use it all the time or have it in my collection. But of course, beggars can't be choosers. So whatever we eventually hopefully get here in the States um, or just overseas in general for whatever country, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, because I definitely want to try out this, this prison food plate that <laughs> they're offering on their menu. I think the same thing was offered at the Stone Ocean Cafe. 
Wouldn't you think that that'd be appetizing? Like you said, it, it's like a one and done thing where you just eat it and then you're like, what do I do now? Unless you're one of those Instagram foodie types that likes to take pictures of their food so you can have that as a memory. But yeah, doesn't that sound appealing? Honestly, if I get to live like Jolene for a hot second, then yes, <laughs> absolutely it does. <laughs> well, now it's time. Time for heaven. New moon, new priest. What did you think about this very sad and depression-filled episode? Well, besides the strange school rumble-like title of this episode, things obviously got kicked into high gear with this episode 22 and it, it's everything has been leading up to this moment, especially as Jolene fully takes center stage once again and finally confronting the one person who's made her time at Green Dolphin Street a living hell. Because I think like Jolene was prevalent in the previous episode alongside uh, Anasui, and she was there like during the Dragon's Dream stuff, but. I don't think she was like the focal point of a fight since the the Westwood brawl. Am yeah, I, I think I right? you're right. When she went hand in hand in hand, <laughs> no, she didn't go hand in hand with him. When she went <laughs> mano, up against mano a mano, yeah, whatever the phrase is. When she fought Westwood, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, but obviously with with Pucci finally revealing himself as 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 kira i was gonna say kira like in part four <laughs> but as revealing himself as the mastermind behind all of the things happening at green dolphin street of course you need jolene there to lead the pack uh so we have that whole part of this episode which plays out pretty epically uh when you have the showdown between those two behemoths and then as you mentioned earlier we get the unfortunate confirmation of Foo Fighters' demise that we got a taste of in the previous episode. I think at this point, we should just consider that kind of protocol for Joe Bros, or at least one of the Joe Bros in any given part, to sacrifice themselves, but it still doesn't make it any easier to accept, especially with the emotional ending of this episode. What did you think? I agree that this is a very high intensity episode. It's an emotional roller coaster because there's so many ups and downs, right? Like you think that Foo Fighters has successfully escaped from Poochie and White Snake. Um, I was super fucking excited thinking Weather Report was back, but then you hit a low realizing, oh shit, it's actually White Snake and Poochie, and now everyone's gonna fucking die. Um, and then you think like, oh great, like Poochie is dead because he got consumed, but obviously the lead villain in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is not gonna die from something like that. So then in the next episode, you'll hit a low knowing that, or whenever he comes back, you'll hit a low knowing that he's still alive. Um, but you still hit a low in this episode as Foo Fighters is confirmed to have died. So yeah, it's just, it's so many ups and downs in such a short amount of time um, that this is exactly why in the last episode we were like, I don't know if we're ready to talk about this. But let's go ahead and talk about this, Jojo Yeah, fuck fans. it. We'll just do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so it's time to say your poochie prayers as we dive her down into our synopsis and discussion for part six, episode 22, Time for Heaven, New Moon, New Priest. Poochie Gang has one more daydream about receiving a boner from Dio, his lethal lord and lover, as he closes in on Foo Fighters' disc as a tool to pick up Jolene's scent. But Weather Report finally decides to make a second core cameo 
as he cooks up a storm to allow his plankton partner to escape Poochie's clutches. The pair links up with Jolene and Hisokasui to drop some truth bombs about Poochie and White Snake when it turns out that White Snake is already present among them in Weather Report cosplay. The prison priestly pair pulverizes the prison posse pair and rushes to take up green bean babysitting duties until Jolene cuffs and stuffs them in retaliation. Before she can deliver Poochie Gang to the devil's doorstep, however, the malicious Monsignor chucks Jotaro's soul album towards Hisoka Sui's dying hot bod, forcing our juvenile Jojo to abandon her vengeful duties and support the campaign for preserving physical media. Poochigang manages to become one with the green bean baby in an unholy communion, while Foo Fighters offers her own bodily strength to preserve Jotaro's soul album and save Hisoka Sui from succumbing to his sorry state. Having recorded the entirety of her own soul album, Foo Fighters bids Jolene one final goodbye as she departs from this earthly plane of existence. Whoever knew we could cry over a bunch of plankton. And now onto our next segment of the show is that a music and or fashion reference where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music and or fashion. And there aren't any for this episode, though I think this episode proves to be a symphony and or fashion statement entirely on its own. Now it's time for the JoJo meme rundown, where we list each new JoJo meme that appeared in this episode. Once again, we don't have any. I'm pretty sure there's none. Now I'm like double checking. I'm like running through like my my uh, brain file of JoJo memes. I don't think there is one for this one. I could be wrong though. Yeah, I think they were all very dramatic moments of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> dramatic to be a meme. I mean, I know like the Bucheretti ascending into heaven image is a meme, but I don't think Foo Fighters has like a meme around hers. So we'll just say that there are none. But as always, if we have missed any, please reach out to us and let us know. This episode starts off with a flashback um, of Dio and Poochie hanging out in what I assume to be Dio's bed, or maybe it's Poochie's bed, because Dio's bed is always way more dramatic looking than like with the, be- the bed that they're laying on. So either way, they're hanging out, they're on a bed, um, and this is, I believe, the flashback where like half or more than half of the JoJo fandom feels that Dio and Poochie had a relationship, and... Uh, I, I think, yeah, they're lovers. Yeah, it's <laughs> you been, can tell. It's been a very long-standing thing about Dio. Like a lot of people say, like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure has like a canon bisexual character, and that that character is Dio because obviously he slept with a lot of women, but also he ha- was in a relationship with Poochie. But there is a part of the fandom that feels that they were just close friends. Because Poochie says that he loves Dio the way a man loves God. And he seems more like a fanatic of Dio's versus like a lover of Dio's. But if I were to like, I guess, place myself in one of the two camps, I would say that I think that Dio and Poochie had a relationship or had some sort of romantic feelings for each other. Because in the scene, like Dio says things like, I was afraid of losing you. And like the way that they are positioned on the bed like that's just such an intimate way of laying next to each other right i don't know i just Mm -hmm. it feels very um like there's some sort of connection beyond just a friendship there so i think that this is like signaling that maybe dio and poochie had some sort of romantic intimacy then again i'm starting to think if if dio really is capable of love or if he's like uh i think it's sponges that are considered asexual and so it's not like he's really attracted to 
Anyone. Well, he's not asexual because asexual <laughs> mean he didn't he doesn't have sex at all, right? If my understanding of asexual is correct, like there's no desire to connect with humans, even on like a sexual level. Okay, well, what, then what word was I thinking of? I think it's uh, I don't know about the word, but you're 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 right. Maybe it's not Dio being in love with Pucci, but being attracted to Pucci, because clearly mm. he wasn't in love with Giorno's mom, <laughs> but he was like attracted enough to her to like sleep with her and produce Giorno. So. Yeah, I think that's where I was going. Like, it's it's more he has these relationships as as maybe like a means to an end, because um, especially here when he he's so concerned about uh, Pucci betraying him, even though Pucci like reassures that he's not going to, because like you said, he respects him as a god. Like, I don't I don't see that as a, any sort of like Dio really loves Pucci. It's more. Are you in line with what my ideals are, or are you going to end up stabbing me in the back? Like sort of manipulative in in a way. Yeah, and we've seen that countless times in part three. Yeah, with him recruiting, I call them like his dastardly disciples, and especially trying to get Avdol um, on his side. You know, I think you're absolutely right. Let me so let me just take a step back and kind of rephrase what I what I said because I guess. In thinking about that, yeah, I don't think that Dio was in love with Pucci. And I guess by relationship, it's more of like a physical relationship that they had versus mm-hmm. like an emotional relationship. Um, and it probably is Dio just manipulating Pucci to continue to be one of his followers. Because I don't think, to your point, that Dio is capable of love because he is like evil incarnate when it comes to all of the JoJo villains. Okay, I know what word I wanted to use. Man whore. Man <laughs> he's just, whore? He's just a man whore. He's not okay. attracted to anyone, but like you say, he's just like sex hungry. <laughs> yeah, basically. I think that is Dio because it'd be weird if Dio had any sort of like empathy for anybody because think about the way that he behaved in part one. It just shows mm-hmm. like he has absolutely no connection for other people. He threw away his humanity for a reason. So yeah, it's a physical relationship. Um, but then in this exchange, this flashback, Dio says that Pucci could take him down anytime using White Snake just by extracting, you know, one of Dio's discs. But Pucci refuses to do so because he thinks that Dio is a king and he wants to follow him and see what he'll accomplish. So again, it's very very much just like fanaticism with Dio. Um, and it's it's only grown stronger over the years because he is just, Pucci is hellbent on achieving heaven and seeing what Dio was striving for. This is an aside, but I, I kind of noticed in this scene, well, I, I was looking at Pucci and then comparing other photos, but th- there's especially a, a ceiling shot, like a top-down shot of the both of them conversing with each other and i noticed that poochie looked a little like weather report at one point like just the like the white his white hair kind of looked like his hat and then his outfit you know like the same they had like similar colors i'm i don't know where i got that from are you saying that weather reports had is actually his hair (laughs) is it like (laughs) is it like uh is that that's that's a hat right I think it's a hat. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, going to guess it's a hat because that, that would be some intense hair. Yeah. But we don't know. <laughs> I don't well, know. I, yeah. The, I just saw like a top-down view of Pucci and Dio on the bed. And yeah, just the, the, the color scheme of Pucci, just it looked almost like 
like weather report was sitting on the bed. I, I'm just making these claims. I, I'm not basing this on anything. So well, now I kind of hope weather report's hat is actually his hair, because that would rival Polnareff. Like Paul Ruff is, is like he has one of the most iconic hairstyles in JoJo. But if Weather Report's hair's hat is actually his hair, I mean that could take the cake, in my opinion. There's a meme about. Oh no, it's with the Jotaro's. Yeah, Jotaro's hat. Like what's under his head? And I think there was one meme where I saw like it's just a bald head. Ew. <laughs> So speaking of weather report, we then jump from the flashback to current day, and it's uh, it's Foo Fighters still trying to get away from her her fate as like a boiling you know glob of plankton. And then in my head, I was thinking, fucking finally, weather report is back because he's on the radio that she apparently had on her, and he saves Foo Fighters by making it rain. Yes, I'm using that phrase, making it rain. Um, but then of course we realize later that weather report is back in terms of like being over at the medical ward he's not back in person yet and we'll we'll talk about why but this is the first time we've we've heard that foo fighters had i know they say transceiver in the subtitles but like had the a walkie-talkie on her that was connected to weather report yeah i had no fucking idea I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like, why didn't she use it earlier? There were probably other times she could have used yeah, that walkie-talkie was, to get Weather Report's help. Yeah, I was going to say, like, well, we, I know he's he's kind of providing air support at this point. Because that, that would imply that Weather Report and Foo Fighters had a plan the whole time he was in the medical ward mm-hmm. to keep a radio on him, which I think in the second core, um, when Foo Fighters or somebody, and maybe Emporio, updates um jolene on on weather reports whereabouts they confirm that like he is in the medical ward he's just not wanting to come out yet maybe it's because he's still recovering um so yeah i don't know either way i was just happy in general whether or not it's the real weather report i'm just happy in general that he's back on screen because i was seriously missing him and of course we still are missing hermes and even if we didn't see the real weather report on screen there's just something so chilling and awesome about him saying on the walkie-talkie, like, oh, I, I understand the situation, and so I, I'll, I'll do my part. And all you hear is just the the pouring rain. It's just like it just makes it. He makes his presence known, and I think it's it's in a subtle way, but just a way that really, like, for it to turn the tides for Foo Fighters, it just makes it so epic. I will say though, um, I had a, like a small moment of of panic. Um, and fear when I first heard that shitty sound effect like when she's crawling with half her body and there's like that that like tapping or like knocking sound effect I was like what the fuck is that this is so unlike David production why would they use like such a a cheap shitty sound effect to show or to to coincide with Foo Fighters crawling but then I realized that because they revealed right right after that that it's her throwing rocks to send Morse code signal to Foo Fighters over the walkie-talkie. Which to Foo Fighters or Weather oh, Report? Oh, I'm sorry, to Weather Report. Like, that in and of itself is a stretch. So, But, like, that aside, I was like, okay, that makes a little more sense because I just thought it was, like, the shittiest sound effect I had ever heard from David Production, who is known for insanely amazing, unique sound effects for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. But, again, once I realized, oh, it's it's Morse code with rocks being thrown, I... I I felt a little bit better about it. I was like, no, this cannot be 
This cannot be what we're faced with. David Production bailing on a good sound effect. But here's the question. Knowing how walkie-talkies function, you have to hold down a button in order to communicate to another walkie-talkie, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, the whole thing is a stretch. Because, <laughs> yeah. first of all, Foo Fighters is so fucking far away from that walkie-talkie. Um, there's no way, even if it was functioning correctly or being used correctly, that it would be able to pick up the sound of her voice. Um, also, it's pouring rain. It's so loud. That's going to drown <laughs> yeah, out anything. Mm-hmm. And and again, to your, to your point, like, nobody's pushing down the button to actually send a message to Weather Report. So... Yeah. Again, that's why I'm like, that's that's JoJo logic right there. We'll just set that aside because clearly none of that would have actually been possible. Maybe that's why Weather Report's still at the end. He, he still radios in and asks like Foo Fighters what her status is because logically he wouldn't have heard anything. And so he's just letting this rain pour. And since no one's holding the walkie-talkie down, he's still, uh, he's still kept dark about the situation. Yeah, yeah. Well, even in this this moment, Pucci is freaking out because he's now reached the 500s in his prime number count, which I think in the last few episodes, he had reached like the 400s. So he's getting closer to his mob explosion. Getting closer to insanity. <laughs> so then the scene switches over to Jolene and Anasui. They have a moment to breathe. Now the the baby's under control. And Jolene thanks Anasui for protecting her and asks him why he's doing this. And Anasui reminds her that he's been very clear this whole time about his feelings for her. And what's interesting is even as he's saying this, she doesn't have a bad reaction. She doesn't really react at all, but she just kind of like absorbs what he's saying. So this is what I'm saying like, I ship them because Jolene's not off-put by Anasui. This is all just a really new situation for her, but she's not, like, off-put by him. She's not annoyed with him. He is very, very useful, and there's a couple times in this episode alone where he is technically correct, even if the way he's saying that he's correct is kind of like an asshole. But either way, I just noted that because um, I am always rooting for Jolene and Anasui. So then Foo Fighters finally makes it to Jolene and Anasui and is successful in informing them that White Snake stand user is, in fact, Father Pucci. And Foo Fighter says that she has Weather Report with her, so Jolene hugs Weather Report and Anasui gets so fucking jealous. And this is where he let his jealousy sort of get the better of him. Um, he sort of got a little uh, testy, um, angry. He kind of had a short temper because he didn't like the fact that Jolene and Weather Report were embracing each other. He kind of goes at Foo Fighters a little bit saying like, you need to take care of the situation, blah, blah, blah. Um, But then he approaches Jolene and says, hey, we need to kill this baby. Can you give me permission to kill the baby? And honestly, once again, honestly, wasn't wrong. If they had killed that baby right then Mm -hmm. and there, that would have changed the course of this entire fucking story. Anasui is never wrong. Even if he's an asshole about the way he says it, he's not wrong. So I was like, "Uh, you probably should have listened to him in that moment. How would they have killed the baby, though? Unless he used Diver Down to, like, wreck its insides or something? Probably, or just use um, Stone Free and Aura Aura the shit out of it. Because by that Mm. point, the baby had already touched Jolene and Anasui. It had accepted them. So they Mm -hmm. they can approach it, no problem. So then how was Foo Fighters able to approach the baby? Uh, Foo Fighters didn't, but... I mean, they're all in the same area. But Poochie did. So when Poochie Mm. reveals that he's hiding his weather report, 
No, it's it's White Snake as weather. Or report. White Snake reveals that Which, he's hiding as weather report. That, how did he? How does White Snake White Snake know how to suddenly shapeshift? Okay, well, all good questions. <laughs> let's tackle one at a time because I have the same one. So let's tackle the the baby situation. So White Snake reveals his true identity, and the first thing he does is kick a rock towards the baby, and the mm-hmm. rock shrinks as it gets closer to the baby as it approaches it. And I'm thinking in my head, how the fuck did Poochie know what the baby stand power was? Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on there. Um, but then to add to that in a later scene, how the hell is Poochie able to approach the baby while it's sleeping and not shrink? Okay, I, I have a theory about that. It It's probably like he knew from the notebook, like from Jotaro's notebook, exactly how Dio's rebirth would play out and i think mm. uh the, the 14 words that he says and we'll probably talk about this part later but because i'm jumping ahead a bit but the 14 words he's saying while he's approaching the baby i think that's what allows him to get close to it without him having to experience its stand abilities oh i thought he was listing things he needed to collect or something i no. again i don't remember <laughs> this a, whole thing it's in, like an in the incantation manga. or something okay because my theory was that the baby allows poochie to approach him because of the pre-existing relationship between poochie and dio mm, like the baby just kind of no, like knows yeah that could be another thing kind of like how the baby just knows jolene is part of its family because it keeps kind of like grabbing at jolene's birthmark that was my assumption but i could be totally wrong but to your other question about white snake shape-shifting i had the exact same question have we seen white snake shape-shift before and hide to somebody else i want to say yes i want to say john gallier but am i wrong about that i don't know why because I, I, I know that like john gallier is around and then white snake shows up for the first time and like tries to shoot jolene and Jotaro in that scene but i could be misremembering all of that well, guess who we have to help confirm this? The JoJo Wiki. <laughs> um, I'm looking at the article for Whitesnake and under the ability Are section. Are you going to get spoiled? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it, under the ability section, it mentions illusion. And it says Whitesnake is shown creating sophisticated illusions to disguise itself as other people, having at one point impersonated weather report to ambush the Joestar group and approach the green baby. So this is sort of like Araki added this ability for Whitesnake in to dramatic effect so that Poochie could get from point A to point B and shock the, the prison posse. Oh, that's fine. I mean, Araki's done that plenty of times. Usually the opposite, where like when he introduces a character, he introduces like all of these really cool abilities that never get used again for the remainder of that character's run. Here it's the opposite of that, which is, you know, White Snakes had these pretty consistent abilities until now when White Snake suddenly does some extra shit. And it is the last time that we see White Snake in this core because mm-hmm. Like, I, I think, I don't know if it's like Poochie says something or they imply it. Um, something's changed about Whitesnake with Poochie's transformation. We'll get there in the last episode of this core, but I recall something about that. So while we're talking about inconsistencies, let's talk about Jolene's handcuffs. Since when can Jolene's strings turn into actual objects like these handcuffs? Mm-hmm. I, I could see if like they were handcuffs made of the strings and therefore were like a blue color the whole time but they actually transformed to look exactly like handcuffs 
we get confirmation that they are made of strings because at one point they're kind of pulling out of the palm of her hand or something. But I'm like, I don't recall this happening in the first or second core of Stone Ocean. Do you? No, I don't. I mean, it's sort of reminiscent of Jorno's uh, or like Gold Experience's stand ability where it can conjure... It, it can conjure things that have life in it, I guess. But uh, like, this is just a handcuff, and yeah, there's there's no precedent to this. I mean, yeah, it, it's a cool thing because again, this is what allows Jolene to have her face off with Pucci. But again, I think this is it's done to dramatic effect here. Yeah, I just think it would have been way more consistent if again they just made the handcuffs look like they were made of strings or or keep them the color blue or something like that. But it is what it is. Um, but while they're handcuffed together, Poochie and Jolene start going at it. They're in the middle of like an aura aura battle. But while this is all going on, we get a bit of Poochie's inner monologue or his inner thoughts where he reflects on how Jolene was just this little girl um, when she first arrived at the prison, crying over some guy who used her. And now she's grown so much that she's... She's so strong that her Joestar will alone helps her overcome her opponents as she did in this moment with Poochie where he says like her will alone allowed her to anticipate where I was going to punch her. So it's kind of nice to have that recognition from the main villain that Jolene is growing tremendously in her time at Dolphin Street Prison. Green Dolphin Street Prison. I mean, I'm sure it's a lot of pent up anger. Like this... As I said in the beginning, this is the one person who's made her life a living hell in this prison and took away her father's her his, her father's soul, and so I can imagine that her her strong will is what is giving her the adrenaline to fight him back, and I just love this kind of comeuppance against Pucci one because you hear the Stone Ocean theme, it it, it just swelling in this part. And then two, you have Stone Free kind of doing its own version of the seven-page Muda as Pucci's having this internal monologue. Um, so it just makes for this really great moment where it's, as the audience were like, fuck yeah, Jolene's about to beat the shit out of Pucci until things go south pretty quickly. We also talked a little bit about, um, in a, a previous Strictly JoJo episode, um, about what would happen if, Poochie died and the discs were still around like but what happens to the discs if he dies um and he does tell us in this episode that a disc can be uh the, the contents of a disc can be stored forever so the soul or the stand but if it's inserted into somebody and that person dies then the disc disappears even if it's not the original owner dying so here we have Anasui with Jotaro's memory disc and he's dying, therefore the disc is disappearing. So it doesn't exactly answer our original question of like, what happens to the discs if Pucci dies? But it does give us some idea when he says a disc can be stored forever, that could be a hint that even if Pucci were to die, the discs are still going to be around mm. until something is done with them. Until the end of time, or someone else picks it up and stores it and into shoves their it head. in their head no one would ever think to do that Jotaro, but... <laughs> <right>? yeah <laughs> so the battle takes a turn when Pucci takes a huge risk in losing Jotaro's memory disc by again inserting it into Anasui but then he reveals he's already memorized everything from Dio's notebook 
that Jotaro had read that was all on the memory disk. So he's okay taking that risk if it means being able to get rid of Jolene finally. However, Jolene does something unexpected, and instead of going for the disc, he goes. Um, she goes for Poochie for a little bit more, but then actually does run towards the disc in an attempt to try and save Anasui and therefore save her father's memories. And included, I presume, in those memories are you know, the 14 words that Poochie chanted as he was approaching the green baby. Uh, this is an aside. I just realized we didn't go over stand stats, but that's because there are no stand stats in this episode. Because there's uh, no new stands introduced. Yeah, right? well, I know like they've been bringing up previous stands as uh, stand stats in this core, but and I think that would have just taken away from the climax of Jolene facing off against Poochie. I know, at Rigby's, <laughs> he's kind of growling about it too. Like, he didn't <laughs> want those stand stats either. Yeah, he's, he's laying here <laughs> grumbling. <laughs> but yeah, just just for fun, I wanted to bring up the 14 words that Poochie recites as he's approaching the green baby. You know, if you wanted to put this on your body as a tattoo, like you can use this for what reference. The fuck? <laughs> um, so he says, spiral staircase, rhinoceros beetle, desolation row. Fig tart, rhinoceros beetle, Via Dolorosa, rhinoceros beetle, singularity point, Giotto, angel, hydrangea, rhinoceros beetle, singularity point, secret emperor. Just a string of random words. Is it like a code? Is it like letters spelling out something? I don't think so, because would it be like S S R B D R F T? <laughs> I feel like there are some biblical references like Via Dolorosa that's, uh, I believe that's um, Latin or Spanish for way of the cross, referring to um, Christ carrying his cross up to his crucifixion. You have angel. Uh, so like, yeah, religious references there, but a lot of repeating words like rhinoc- rhinoceros beetle and singularity point. Uh, I know that the... Maybe it's the next episode or the final episode of the second core that goes more into detail for like this recipe to bring Dio back. So I was going to do a little bit more research into if there are any hidden meanings behind these 14 words. And watch, it's probably just a bunch of random words that Araki strung together for this, <laughs> this scene. Probably. He just thought, oh, this this sounds cool. And then we come to the final moments of this very intense roller coastery episode. Anasui is dying. And as he's dying, he's trying to reach Foo Fighters, um, almost like he's willing his blood to make its way to what's left of her body. Because I think um, you noticed this when we did our rewatch. I think Poochie is successful in removing Foo Fighters' disc from her. And that's what's causing her to actually perish. Or it's a white snake who picks up the disc. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, he's he's got this like inner monologue or like his inner thoughts going, but it's almost like he's talking directly to Foo Fighters saying, look, Jolene is mourning and Foo Fighters, it's your fault. I mean, he's not entirely wrong, but again, (laughs) he's still being an asshole about it. Like what he's saying is not, incorrect it's just the way he's saying it is not coming off the greatest he is right though because Foo Fighters unintentionally brought Poochie right to them and it seems like in this moment Anasui is 
willing to sacrifice his life so that Foo Fighters can continue on, telling her she can have his body, his intellect, everything if he can keep protecting Jolene. But then, in a turn of events, Foo Fighters makes her own sacrifice to keep Anasui alive because um, I think it's twofold. Like, if one, if he dies, the disc disappears. There's a chance that the disc mm. might not disappear if she's able to take over his body, but it's probably a risk not willing to take. Um, and I think, too, even though Anasui's not the nicest to Foo Fighters, I think she recognizes his ability to protect Jolene. And Jolene is one of the most important things to her. And in her final moments, in her ascension to heaven, as she's talking to Jolene, she even says, tell Anasui for me that his life belongs to him. Ooh, that's deep. It is. <laughs> it is. So you have, on one hand, Foo Fighters being a real one, um, sacrificing herself for both Jolene and Anasui, even when Anasui was willing and even begging Foo Fighters to take over his body so that she could protect the disc and ultimately protect Jolene. But then Anasui's also a real one because, yeah, again, he let his jealousy get the better of him in this episode. He was kind of a dick in the way he was saying things. But in the end, he didn't ever ask Foo Fighters to heal him. He didn't even, that thought didn't even cross his mind. Like, Foo Fighters, heal me, but if you can't, then take over my body. He was ready to sacrifice himself as well um, for Foo Fighters to survive and for Foo Fighters to save Jolene and the disc. Um, and again, not once did he ask Foo Fighters to save him and just offered up everything to her. So it's kind of a nice um, ending for the two of them because it's kind of sad to think that like their final moments together, they were arguing, but at least here, hopefully through their will alone, they were able to communicate with each other that at the end of the day, they do care about each other. I was going to bring up uh, with their final moment, actually, in the earlier half of the episode, is when I think Anasui's watching Jolene and Weather Report come in for an embrace. And he, obviously, Anasui's harboring these jealous feelings. And then Foo Fighters tells him something along the lines of like not to be so petty about it and then he dismisses her as just being a whole blob of plankton and so it's one of those things where it's like I think it's similar to uh, Polnareff and Avdol and Avdol's first death where Polnareff was being dismissive of what Avdol trying to, to calm him down and then Avdol getting shot by a whole horse in part three it's like do you want to live with that regret of not having ended your relationship with someone who's passed away on on good terms or even like part two where joseph and caesar have a have a scuffle before caesar goes off on his own and then gets uh, <laughs> gets flattened by that stone <laughs> um so like not leaving things on a sour note but I take that thing about what Anasui said about Foo Fighters being plankton and going back to this moment in his almost dying breath um, about how he places his trust in her and he says something along the lines of like when he asks her to transfer herself to his body, he says, only you can do it, plankton. So kind of taking what he said before but putting it in a more uh, positive and, and reconciliatory light so that in their final moments together, he kind of apologizes for his 
him not thinking. His behavior. <laughs> yeah, him not thinking straight, his behavior, and acknowledging how significant Foo Fighters has been for their group this whole time. Yeah, and I think the one thing that unites the two of them is their shared love and um, care for Jolene. Like, they, they love and adore Jolene in different ways, but just as much as each other. So I think they recognize that, and they share that common goal of protecting her and helping her reach her goal of saving her father and ultimately stopping Poochie and protecting everyone by doing so. Um, I think it's also worth noting that Anasui officially joined the Donut Gang Mm-hmm. Because he gets donutted by White Snake, so right alongside Bucheretti and Koichi and all of them. I mean, it's it's a running list of who's in the Donut Gang. We should probably do uh, some sort of discussion about it at some point because Rocky loves to impale his main characters in JoJo. I don't know why. It's kind of like how he loves to kill off dogs. I don't know why, but he does it. Dogs and donuts. Everything that starts with a D. Diver down. (laughs) And then we see Foo Fighters, again, ascending into heaven in her golden form, the way many later Joe Bros have done. Um, And Foo Fighters has her last exchange with Jolene, saying that she's happy to have a soul, to have an intellect, to have intellect and intellect. I don't know which one is correct. Um, And to have a life. Like she is okay with moving on because she had such rich experiences in the short time that she was a sentient being and she wouldn't trade that for anything. So while I'm sure she's still sad to not be by Jolene's side, Jolene and the gang have given her so much that she couldn't ask for more. And um, yeah, so then in the final moment, she's going up to heaven to be with all the other Joe bros that died before her. Such a poetic ending for this character we talked about in the previous episode how uh, Foo Fighters, her her sole reason for living at first was to protect the discs until Jolene stepped into her life and and really showed her what it was to to be human and to cherish every moment, even though all of their moments <laughs> were centered around staying alive against the the threat of White Snake and, and Poochie. And especially so with Foo Fighters having her own soul here, even though we know that White Snake took away uh, Foo Fighters' stand disc, that all of these memories and experiences were able to still make Foo Fighters whole in her final moments and that she can properly go up to heaven <laughs> into stand heaven or whatever there is um, as a... a a fully realized human being. And then the sadness and depression kick in because we got gotten in an earlier episode thinking that that was the end of Foo Fighters. And then we were like, oh, great. She's still alive. We're good to go. It's fine. And then in a very short time after, they actually do officially kill her. So. Yeah, this is exactly like like Avdol in part three. But even and faster. Even like, or, yeah, <laughs> or even like Bucerati in part five, although that took a long time. But we knew with Bucerati going into it that he had a very finite time because he was pretty open about it. Like in his inner monologues, he, he recognized that like his time was limited. Really? I thought that happened like a couple episodes before his actual demise. 
I thought he like hinted like I thought I died, but then I didn't die. Die. Oh, I could be wrong. It's been it's been a little while. Since yeah, I, I mean, Part there Five. were moments like that where it was really cryptic, but yeah, I guess yeah, the writing you was kinda, a bit on the wall. There was some foreshadowing. So even if he wasn't outright about it, like there was some hints at him having a, a true death, like at some point, like he wasn't going to be around forever. Yeah, but I guess we can find solace in Foo Fighters' last words on this earth, which is, everything is all right. <laughs> and Dylan's <laughs> I mean, thinking, not right now, it's not. <laughs> well, yeah, but just that, that those words of comfort, even in this situation where everything is fucked. Like, I think th- th- you can still get comfort and solace from that. And that brings us to our final thoughts for part six, episode 22. Time for heaven, new moon, new priest. So would this episode make you ready to pour one out for our plankton protectors? Yes, absolutely. And I think what this episode shows is that even the most unique of Joe bros, uh, they connect with us on such an emotional level. Um, I think about Iggy, for example. Iggy is a fucking dog <laughs> who chews coffee-flavored gum and farts in Polnareff's face. But when Iggy dies, it hits so hard. Here we have a conglomerate of plankton that happened to become sentient for a short while. And even then, Foo Fighters really left an impression on us as JoJo fans. And she she definitely is one of the most beloved characters of Part 6, at least that I've noticed um you know through my time like just browsing things in the jojo community so there's a reason for that like foo fighters time and time again i think i've said it so many times in our stone ocean review series that she's a real one everything that she's done for jolene um goes above and beyond what others may have done and i think it's because she constantly recognizes that jolene has enriched her her short life so much and that's why she's so important to her but with that said, this episode leaves us with so many cliffhangers. Like, what the fuck happened with Poochie? Um, what are they going to do now that Foo Fighters has died? Does Weather Report even know what's going on or where they're at? When is Hermes coming back? Um, is Anasui going to be okay? <laughs> like, is are they going to get the disc back to Jotaro now that they technically have it? Like, what is happening next? And we get some confirmation of that in the next episode, but I still feel like the second core left us with a lot of open threads, no pun intended, with strings and whatnot. Um, But yeah, I think that this episode was just an absolute wild ride, especially knowing what we're going to get in the next two episodes. (laughs) We're going to get a bit of a breather, but I think we're going to get right back into things with the third core. I think it's going to take us right from this episode into what to expect in the finale. What about you? Yeah, I think this is probably the most exciting episode to come out of the second core as the conflict between Pucci and Jolene or the prison posse comes to a head. And it's also the most profound and emotional episode since Jotaro's demise in the first core as we see food fighters literally give her all for Jolene and for the crew to continue fighting the good fight. And I say again, Whoever knew we could cry over a bunch of plankton. Uh, The climax with Poochie getting devoured by the green baby I thought would have been enticing enough to have this cap off the second core, even if we have all of those lingering questions that you mentioned. But obviously that's not going to be the case because we have two more episodes after this to close out the second core. 
that I would say send us on a slight bit of a detour. But nonetheless, I thought this episode did an excellent job at really driving the plot forward into what will hopefully be an epic final arc for Stone Ocean. And thankfully, we don't have to wait long for that. One more open thread line I totally forgot about. What the fuck is heaven and what's going on with that? Like, what uh, is yeah. what is Pucci's ultimate goal? That has still not been made clear. Like, yeah, he says, I want to attain heaven. I want to reach heaven. But what does that actually fucking mean? We don't know at this point. Well, Foo Fighters knows now. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so pour one out for her, JoJo fans. And thank you once again, everyone, for not only listening to this episode and listening to our episodes each and every week, but again, for all the support that you guys have shown us over the past year as we've reached our two-year anniversary. We love you guys so much. We love you just as much as we love JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and we're so glad that we get to share our love of that with you in this way. So thank you guys again for tuning in. As always, subscribe to Strictly JoJo on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly Series and tune into Strictly Anime, our other podcasts for anime reviews and discussions. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. To be continued. Thank you.